DJ Simulationistas. So, with Dr. D, Dan Raymer, and Dr. J, Janice Palaganis, coming at you from the Center for Medical Simulation in Boston, Massachusetts. So buckle up your mannequin, and let's roll. Welcome to DJ Simulation is to Sup. You're here with Janice Palaganis. And Dan and- Raymer. Sup, Jennifer. Uh, Janice. Oh, you did it. You did it. <laughs> well, well done. I'm having a great day. How about I'm you? I'm having a great day. In our last <laughs> podcast, we talked about transition back to work and uh, from being away. Dan forgetting and I was names. talking about how I'm getting forgetful of people's names and and uh, especially on reentry. Although the screen says my name. Uh, so you have zero yeah, excuse. My vision isn't that good. I can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dan, I'm so glad you're back. It's nice to be back, sort of. And I'm I'm glad that you look physically healthy because I know you've been doing some physical activity somewhere in the globe. Yes. So before transitioning (laughs) back to work from my winter home to my summer home, I went on a trip to Europe, first to Normandy, and I met with Claude Monet, and then... uh, (laughs) Did you tell him I said hi? Yes, right, Claude, yes. And then I I met with Ike Eisenhower and Rommel and the beaches of Normandy, which was also interesting. And then we went on a bike trip through southern Portugal, which was really fun and so interesting. Very hard work. I bet. What did you do? You went on a trip, too. Oh, I went to Greece. And Greece is supposed to be beautiful. I've never been there. Yeah, it was really gorgeous. Really, really, really gorgeous. But nothing is, is, I mean, we did do a a hike from Fira to Ia in Santorini. So that was a nice, I don't know, took us six hour. (laughs) So that was, that was nice, but it was nothing like bike riding. And, and it was very much on, on my own, you know, independent, whatever I wanted to do. And from what I hear about your bike ride is that it was developed for you. It was created for you. And, and I think that that's really interesting. Yeah, we did a bike trip with a company, a company called Backroads. They organize trips all around the world for groups of people. And you sign up and there's a group of strangers and uh, you, they have everything organized. It's very high-end, stay in nice hotels and have beautiful dinners, and you ride bikes with people, uh, meet new friends. It's really quite quite a fun thing, I have to say. So it was really, really uh, fun and difficult in the beginning. The, the, the bike riders, the other guests, there were 23 people in the group. I, I knew I was in trouble when we first met everyone, and the guy next to me was wearing his Boston Marathon jacket. <laughs> And the woman next to me was introduced, and she's a personal trainer. Uh-huh. And she's a personal trainer of one of the other people on the trip. And she, a whole bunch of them had just Professional done like, athletes. 
Yeah, <laughs> they did the Pan Mass Challenge, which is a hundred mile bike trip. Wow! Um, and uh, and then almost everyone on the trip had been on multiple back roads bike trips before, and then my is there an application process? Well, well, my <laughs> wife arranged this whole trip. And it was about that time that she mentioned to me that there was a rating system on degree of difficulty. And she really wasn't sure that a four was the right number for us. And I think it was four out of five. And so, uh-huh. so these were real serious bike riders. And, you know, I ride a bicycle now and then, but I don't ride regularly. I'm just not in their league. And so the beginning of the trip was really difficult. Beginning of the trip meaning your first your first bike ride or first yeah, first first bike ride was um was really tough. Can I can I ask just out of curiosity cuz I I have I have lots of friends that have done kind of things like this and I thought they had mechanisms for people that got injured where where they drive along the way and you can actually you know ride certain amounts of the way if you want, um, and you can take it at your own leisure. Is that not right? Or for this Uh, particular company? Well, that is true. But throughout the whole trip, there were only two or three times that people actually cut their riding short and used the vans for various reasons. I wound up never, never taking advantage of that. The first day was particularly difficult because everyone gets their bicycle and they have beautiful bicycles. And of course, you have to make fine adjustments of the seat height and the handlebar height and learn how to operate it. And uh, so we did that. Somehow, my wife and I were the last ones to get our bikes adjusted. And so we started last we got to the first hill, which was grueling, and clearly we could see people in the distance disappearing from our view. Oh, no. And, and then about halfway through, one of the leaders rode their bicycle all the way back to us to <laughs> kind of make sure that we were still alive and offer us the van and things like that, which was highly insulting, but they were so cool about it. And they just kept saying, this is for fun. Don't worry about it. When I said, oh my God, we've fallen so far behind. So anyways, uh, uh, we made it. And, uh, and so the first half of the trip was... Did they clap was, when you walked in? Was difficult. Um <laughs> No, we didn't know them well enough to, for that to happen. It happened later on <laughs> the trip. <laughs> um, oh, the other part about the first day that was difficult was that it was raining. And about halfway through, we heard thunder. And then we started hearing this knocking noise on our helmets which was the hail that was falling <laughs> on us. <laughs> and oh, no. we could see bouncing off the pavement. And so I've never ridden in, hail, in a hailstorm before, but you know, we had our route and our little GPS device, and we were going to make it. The thing that I wanted to tell you about was that halfway through the trip, I realized that 
this trip was very much like the instructor courses that we run at CMS. Uh-huh. I know that sounds bizarre, but... No, it doesn't sound bizarre because I've been on cruises and I felt the same way. And I think this is really interesting. So go for it. I want to hear. So there were 23 people about the size of our courses. It was highly choreographed. That is, there were rides and events and meals that were scheduled and fairly tightly scheduled throughout. But there's a lot of variability in the schedule because there were fast riders and slow riders like like me, things that just took variable amounts of time. And the rain was a big factor that changed who wanted to ride and who didn't and, um, and that sort of thing. And so uh, the leaders, there were two leaders, very much like in one of our courses, there were two leaders and two support people on the trip. And so the support people took care of the bicycles and drove the vans, and they took care of people's luggage and got them transferred from one hotel to another, things like that. And the leaders rode with us and gave us briefings every morning, and gave us debriefings every evening, and solved problems with people all throughout. Mm -hmm. They did things like they gave us a a, a pre-brief. I didn't notice it at first, but after about day three or four, when they did the pre-brief, I realized that they use many of the same principles that we use in a simulation course. They were universally positive and supportive and kept reiterating that we were good and that we were all trying to have fun and that they used anecdotes from the day before to kind of support their contention. They talked about having broad experiences, and so they elaborated on what the ride was like and who we would be riding with and encouraged us to interact with other people in the group. They talked about safety, and so every day they reiterated all the principles of safety and you know, to be extra careful about using the left-hand brake because that can send you over the handlebars if you are on the left-hand brake too strongly and and <laughs> things like that. They also pointed out every known hazard uh, that day, you know, that there was a construction site halfway through and that uh, uh, they'd stationed a van there because it's really confusing and the GPS might not take us the right direction. And so uh, be extra cautious when we would get there. And so it was very much like uh, like simulation safety. The fiction contract that we do in simulation, the analogy that they had was about having fun with the experience and that if you wanted to challenge yourself, you could do this. If you wanted to just cruise and enjoy the scenery, you could do that. And so they gave us choices about what to experience. I thought that was, you know, very cool and similar to what we do about how to act in a simulation. 
Well, I don't think we do that enough. And I think that's great to say how the people that want to challenge themselves and the people that feel like, you know, they're having a hard day and they want to take a step back. What are the things, what are the things that they could do as individuals? I agree. That's pretty cool. That was one of the things that I kind of learned from them, the kind of, you know, it was more, I know we try to be learner centric in our simulations, (laughs) but I thought, you know, they were particularly good at making this customer centric in, uh-huh. in their setting, giving you lots of lots of freedom to enjoy yourself in whichever way you wanted to. This really came came clear because the day after the the hailstorm, the first day, the next day was a steady downpour all day. Really heavy rain predicted predicted from the beginning of the day to the end of the day. And they kept updating us about that. And they made it clear that if you didn't want to ride, that was fine. They would have another activity that you could do if you didn't relish the fact of of riding a bike in a driving rainstorm. Uh Uh-huh. And then as the weather moved in, it became clear not only was it going to be a steady downpour, but there was a hellacious wind and it was cold. <laughs> and, and so there were only five people. Were you praying to the weather gods? Oh, no, I'd already this, decided this there's because no of you? way I'm going to ride tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Unless my peers shame me into it. Uh, <laughs> But they didn't because only five people chose to ride, uh, you know, amongst these biking studs. Uh, yeah. Uh, so you can imagine how bad it really was. And, yeah. And they took us on a wine tour instead. Uh, oh, that's which great. Was perfect because we could just kick back and drink wine and be drunk. And, uh, and then yeah. they took us to lunch at the same place that the five riders would end up at. And as yeah. each one of them came in, we gave them a rousing standing ovation as they <laughs> came in like wet dogs. <laughs> we heaped towels on them. It turned out that that it was a B and B, and there was a shower, so we threw them each one in the shower uh, one by one, and so we just had a great bonding experience. Anyways, uh, I thought the handling of the response of the customers, just like we often have to handle the response of the learner, was a good lesson. They just did it beautifully. They just made sure that no one was humiliated or, or felt ashamed or felt too much pressure. They did it by example. They did it by they didn't do it very explicitly, which I think was sensitive of them. Uh-huh. Uh, they never said, you don't have to feel bad if you don't ride. They normalized, which we often do. They said, you know, when it's raining this hard, a lot of people don't like to ride. I don't like to ride, but it's my job, so I'll be out there. But if you don't want to ride, that's fine. But they also offered activities that would be socially acceptable to pass on riding to go and do this other activity, so it makes it okay to pass. Yes, they did. They did. 
and they, you know, kind of said there's alternatives to doing it this way or doing this activity. I thought that was just just beautifully. Uh, so I I love that because I think it ties into what you and I have discussed before around previewing that you know saying things is actually not creating psychological safety, but just doing it is you know supportive of it, and you can do so much in previewing versus or, or I should say pre-briefing by doing it versus saying it. And I think that's such a great point that if we could offer things in the moment, alternatives without having to say, you know, just giving people an out that, because does that really matter? I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends on the educational activity, but, or the objectives, but yeah, everybody's different. Everybody's different learning styles and offering the, the full range of options of participation, I think is important. So this is really cool, Janice. On the last uh, night that we had dinner together, we always ate dinner at a group at some cool restaurant. The The leaders and the support people all joined us for dinner. It was sort of like a class dinner. I sat next to one of the leaders and I pointed out to her how this was, this trip was so similar to my job. And I asked her about their organization and the principles that they espoused and, you know, how, how it worked. It was so interesting. She described the hiring process. And what she described was basically a simulation. And so uh-huh. they, they hire their leaders by putting them in a situation and having them, you know, describe you know, kind of simulate how they would get out of it. We didn't get into enough detail as to whether they simulated a hailstorm and asked them what they would do about it, but they didn't do a standard interview. They basically put them in different situations to see how they responded. And so we do that at CMS. We put people in simulations when we hire them. Um, I've always advocated that we should probably do that clinically. That, you know, when we hired people or when we, you know, brought people in as residents or fellows or things like that, we should put them in a simulation. Anyways, they do that. And I think the result is that their leaders have a certain sparkle that they, you know, they're really exceptional. And it was certainly true of our two leaders. You know, not only did they speak many different languages, but they just were so, so enthusiastic and they really had a, a love of the country and the scenery and the bike riding in that, in that setting that came through whenever they got up and spoke. In her describing how she was hired, I could just see how that would come through so much in a simulation and maybe not so much in an interview. I think it's so difficult being an educator because you do have to have those qualities as well. It's not just like a technical trade. I mean, the factors that create engagement in learners so much depend on the things that you're talking about, you know, passion and energy and enthusiasm and motivation and some personalities get in the way of themselves 
being able to achieve that. And so you don't see that on paper. Those are things that you have to see when applied in certain situations. And, and so simulating the hiring process is key for any position, I think. So the other thing about this trip that was, uh, was interesting was the role of technology. Uh-huh. My wife has an injury, and so prior to the trip, she was worried about keeping up. And so she ordered an e-bike. E-bike is the same bicycle that I was riding, but it has a battery and an electric motor, and it can assist in the pedaling. And so it doesn't, it's not like a motorcycle or a scooter. You don't, it doesn't move if you turn on the motor. It only assists your own pedaling. So you have to pedal, but if you click on the motor, it makes the pedaling easier. And so it's somewhat like shifting gears, but it's in addition to shifting gears, making, uh-huh. making it easier. So uh, on the second to last day, my wife decided not to ride in the afternoon. She was tired, and she said, do you want to borrow my e-bike and try it? Mm. And so... Um, so I did. Oh, my God. <laughs> it has changed my life because it's taken all the hills in the world and flattened them. <laughs> Isn't that the joy of bike riding, though? The well, challenge, you know, you the, know there's the a different. little joy in making it up the hill at the end. But there's the painful part of having it to make it up the hill. <laughs> I like that part. Yeah, That's the part uh, that builds the yeah, muscle. But, but um, so instead of a 25-mile bike ride with hills, you can do a 50-mile bike ride completely flat, even though <laughs> you're riding up and down hills. <laughs> So are you going to go buy an e-bike now? I think if I went on another trip, I would order an e-bike too, because it was Oh, but you wouldn't buy one for yourself. Yeah. And the coolest part was, you know, all these uh, 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 bike riding studs that I I mentioned earlier, you know, I was way behind them the whole trip. But once I got the e-bike... You you were were right with them. There were some hills... there were Giving some hills them high that, fives. There were, that were like 15-degree hills, like long 15-degree climbs. Uh-huh. And even the strongest of the bike riders, you know, were standing up on their lowest gear. There was even one hill where people actually got off and were walking their bikes. And, uh, and so I was able to crank my, my e-bike <laughs> motor all the way to max. And Does it make a noise? No. <laughs> and so you look like you're just pedaling normally. And it feels like you're pedaling on the flat part. And you still have to use the gears. So I was down in the lowest gear, but I didn't have to stand up. I could just pedal, and it felt like it was riding sort of on the flat. And so uh-huh. I would go by them and say, you know, how you say on your left, when you pass somebody, I would just yeah. say, cheater on your left, cheater <laughs> on your left, and I would go right by them. 
<laughs> I was leading the pack uh, uh, on the steepest hills, which I thought was pretty funny. And can you tell the difference between e-bike and regular bike? Like, was it obvious? No. No. It's <laughs> cheating. No, because, uh, you know, the, the battery sits on the post where your water bottle would be. Yeah. And it's thicker. But... Um, you know, and actually, they were telling me the technology is getting better, so the whole mechanism is going to be hidden in the crank where the pedals are. The so next. the question to you is, how do we create e-bikes for our students that are finding our hills very difficult? Yeah, so I think technology is the is the answer, and and so this will be long after I retire. But you're in the midst of this, I think offering lots of online things, lots of e-learning to supplement what's done in the simulations, I think it's going to make it a lot easier for, uh, for learners, uh, especially ones that are struggling in some way, who don't do an activity routinely. There are going to be some, you know, people who, who are way ahead of the class, and they're going to be people who are behind the class. And so I think using some form of e-learning is really going to be helpful to people. Sure was with bike riding. <laughs> so Janice, I talked a lot about my bike trip. Uh, were there analogies in your cruise that you took? You know, I think the analogy in, in cruises is the planning around, or I should say, you know, design thinking is, is this whole trend methodology now in education, and it's being empathic with, with your uh, customer or your student. When you think of cruises and experience, as you mentioned before, customer service is the key and trying to think of things as a customer and empathize and create alternatives to make sure that the best, the best option that can embrace the general population, but then having alternatives for those that it doesn't work for. In terms of the cruises, they have, they do simulations for disaster events as well um, in terms of their employee training. And they do simulations at, they actually have a simulated cruise ship where people fly in, the employees fly in and they stay in their cabin and they do all sorts of things for a few days to simulate what that would be like in terms of customer safety and ship safety. So in that regard, I think there's some relevance with simulation. There's also, I think, the cruise director. We've, we've talked a lot about being course director for our course and how it's a lot like being a cruise director, and it really is. And that kind of enter- edutainment factor that you spoke about the characteristics of being energetic and motivational and encouraging to get people engaged and having a great time and all about their own individual experiences. I think that is a role of, of a course director. And it's an additional role that we often don't think about when we are you know, moving from clinician role to educator role. I wish I was still on my bike ride. I'm guessing you still wish you were on your cruise, but uh, I know I'm so sorry for bringing us back and have you know and asking us to relive these great experiences. (laughs) I think we do need to get back to our simulation work. (laughs) Yeah, I know. 
Well, it's great. I'm going to go and be a cruise director, and you can go be a bike tour expert. Uh, I'm going to work on some technology to to make simulation easier. That's my oh, goal for okay. the day. Oh, okay. E-simulations. Yes, exactly. The e-bike. Exactly. All right. Well, I guess that's what's up, Dan. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what's up Loved hearing about you. your trip. It's nice to catch up and uh, nice to talk to you. You too. Take care. Bye. Bye. DJ Simulationistas, what's up? It's brought to you by the Center for Medical Simulation. Find out more about CMS and learn about our simulation instructor training and course offerings at www.harvardmedsim.org. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.